Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Eatlah, Drinklah, and Chipslah. You may already know that they make the most delicious salted egg rice box in Indonesia. But they make also really cool drinks such as the pineapple yakult, esklepon boba, iced coffee, iced tea, and many more. I just tried their pineapple yakult. It's so refreshing. Order Eatla, Drinkla, and Chipsla in the Eatla store in your favorite food delivery app and have a lookout for those promos. Get yours today. Eatla. My guest today is Clarissa Budiarto. Clarissa is a drug safety specialist who studied molecular and cellular biology in the University of Washington in Seattle. She worked for Big Pharma and did a lot of social work with some really cool foundations in Indonesia as well. Make sure that you follow her her account and look in the caption for the foundations that she mentioned here and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, in the one hour mark, I made a mistake of guessing Franz Seda's place of birth. I shouldn't have guessed it, um, rather I uh, should have researched it and therefore um, I made the mistake. But since I don't like to edit any of my podcasts, I like to um, give my apology in advance here. Okay, well, I started recording and... Mm-hmm. I noticed that. <laughs> you can see it, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Cool. Sure. I want to start with one word answers. To get to know you better. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So just shoot the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. <laughs> Dogs. Cute. <laughs> Technology. Daunting. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Okay. Um, well, it can be daunting. It can be daunting sometimes, learning new technology, like TikTok. <laughs> I don't know how TikTok works. <laughs> I forced my company to do TikTok, but that's another story. <laughs> okay, um, globalization. Uh, globalization is connecting people <laughs> that's so cheesy that's nokia <laughs> <laughs> that's what i thought <laughs> nokia <laughs> our beloved phones from the past era. connection <laughs> yeah 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 all right um next one is meditation meditation um something that I want to try, but still haven't succeed. So <laughs> it's a pursuit. Meditation is a pursuit. <laughs> okay, I love it. It is, actually, it is actually something like um, constant. It's really hard to sit still and like not think about anything and not watch anything. It's, it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Pursuit, I love that. Okay, um, you can 
That was great. And now the next segment is longer, a little bit longer answers. But mm-hmm. long, but it's not a one word answer. Okay, what's a word that what's a drink that describes you and why? A drink that described me, um, I've been addicted to salted cheese tea, milk tea, salted cheese milk tea. What? Have you, have you tried it? Nope. Um, that exists? I think like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think Koi, the bubble tea place, have that. Um, it's like the next like hype food i guess so it's basically milk tea without the boba but they put like cream salted cheese on top yeah and like i love milk i love cheese so i think that totally describes me (laughs) and i don't like um unpopular unpopular um uncommon belief but I don't like boba. Ah. I never like boba. So it's like perfect. Can you get the drink where you are? Sorry? Can you get the drink where you are or you have to ship them from Indonesia? Oh, um, there are, there are uh, bubble tea places that sell those now too here. So you constantly have this? Um, I try not to have it constantly, um, but once a week or sometimes less sometimes i wouldn't have it for the entire week but i've, ne- I've never seen yeah. you uh, post it instagram so i'm not sure whether this is real affection or not i <laughs> 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 um, so no boba yeah cause no boba no boba yeah i'll i'll send you a picture of it later <laughs> when when i when i get it clarissa drink <laughs> Okay. Salted cheese, milk tea, without the boba. I can't wait to tell them to like, the upper generations. I mean, our parents, our aunts, like those who don't drink fusion stuff. Because some people are stick to cheese just with, you know, I don't know, bread. But then mm-hmm. they hear cheese with chocolate, like in martabak, they'll scoff. But they don't know. They don't know our stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a weird concept too when I first um saw it, the salted cheese milk tea. And then my first thought was like, that's kind of that's kind of gross. <laughs> you know, it's like you add milk on top of milk, basically. But I tried it, and then I'm a believer. Yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> in the U.S. You know, you're in the place where they push the limits, like fried Coca Cola. Don't they have it? I don't even know. I know fried Twinkies. What's a Twinkie? Uh, Twinkie is like a junk food where you can get from like 7-Eleven. It's like basically a sponge cake with like cream in it. But then um, if you go to like food fair, they would fry it. So... So yeah, you can get fried Twinkies at food fair. I, I never tried it. I never tried it. Okay. Please I tried fried tell how it is if you try it. <laughs> I tried fried alligator. What? Are you serious? <laughs> fried alligator tastes like chicken. 
like fried chicken. You can't really tell the difference. Oh my goodness. I'm unable to. <laughs> Where'd you try it? Uh, food fair, and it's a common food in New Orleans. Oh, really? um, like, yeah, Creole Cajun food. They have a fried alligator sandwich. Wow. Yeah. So I tried it. Try that. Okay. Is it recommended though? Like, do you recommend it? There's, is there some health benefits maybe? or? I don't think there's a health benefit because it's fried. And honestly, you're not missing much because if you give me fried alligator and fried chicken, like I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. A lot of alligators in Florida, maybe if they need to control the population, they should open Probably. <laughs> Hope it's healthy. No, no, it's not. <laughs> right. Okay. Which friend's character are you? Friend's character? Yeah. Um, Monica. Monica? I've always related to Monica. Even though I don't have like that bad of an OCD, but I'm like a clean and neat freak. And sometimes like in, in those moments, I relate to Monica. And a little bit of Chandler because I consider myself as sarcastic and Ch Chandler is like the most sarcastic of all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is your house like all neat? And I try to make it neat. I try to make it neat. I, I like to have things like organized in one place. Yeah. So there's always like a spot for everything. Yeah. If you talk to my uh, friends from high school, they admire how like my how neat my writing is because I'm the type of person if like I don't do a straight line on my notebook, I would just like, like rip it off and then I would make another new straight line. Wow, that's interesting. Is that why yeah. is that why you did so well in school and you chose a very difficult topic? Maybe that's like part of the explanation. I, I guess so because like um, what I do in drug safety, it involves a lot of like procedures and some right. people don't like structures and rules and I love procedures and rules. I like <laughs> making SOPs. I know this is like, I'm making myself look weird. <laughs> this okay. is like a weird obsession, but I, I guess so. I guess it has something to do with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, can we talk more about that in a bit? Yeah. Okay. Last one. What superpower would you want to have? Being able to read minds. That's always what I always want to have. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wow, well, why do you want because, to that? Because if I'm able to read minds, I know like what to say to that person. Mm. You know, because like if they have like certain thoughts that I can clarify, I can just, I don't have to ask them. I can just tell them what it is because I already read their mind. Right. So you don't actually have to talk anymore because you, yeah, <laughs> you don't have, you already know exactly what. They're thinking you can, yeah. them, I don't know, salted egg tea with <laughs> chocolate or 
So, yeah. <laughs> and that's a good way of seeing it. I never thought about like not having to talk to people anymore because <laughs> I pretty much like already know what they're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I was listening. What to about the- you? What's your soup? What's your superpower if you get to choose one? Um, if I can choose one, I want to talk to animals. Oh, that's a good one. Just that's a good for, one for them to tell us if like something is happening with nature. Feel like they know yeah. stuff. Yeah, you can have a zoo. Well, I love that. And then just talk to them. Yeah, yeah. Have you watched um, Tiger King on Netflix? Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like yeah. the people are crazier than the animals. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> animals too. But the zoos are huge. Like They're like, I don't know, size of a normal public zoo. But they have it to themselves. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was a great series of brain teasers. Uh, I'd love to get to know you, and this was an awesome platform to do it. Can yeah, you that was fun. You uh, grew up, and how, how did you um, find um, your passions? How I grow up. Um, I guess I, I, I can start out... Um, well, in high school, um, you know how like they you have to choose between like science or social science and everything. I was already in the science pathway, and I think that was my um, first experience in like taking chemistry, and that was that's how I started um, liking science. Was um, my chemistry teacher was very nice and. Um, she was very encouraging, so I really like her, and that um, kind of developed my interest in chemistry. Um, and then when I get to college, um, I decided to choose a major in biology, mm. uh, molecular and cellular biology, uh, because I like science, but at the same time, I was kind of directed by my parents as well. Um, So like my dad was like, oh, like you, you have to be in the science pathway, but you get to choose whatever science pathway that you want to be in. And at the time, my thought process was, I don't like physics. So that I can't be an engineer and um, I've always liked chemistry and I like biology. So that's how I decided um, to pursue a major in molecular and cellular biology. Wasn't it lucky then that your dad accidentally asked you to study a field that you actually like? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it was a coincidence um, that they like directed me into a certain pathway, um, which I ended up liking. Yeah, I mean, at that time, 
back in high school, I've also liked uh, art. So like at, originally I was thinking of pursuing like graphic design. <laughs> um, I mean like when you, after you graduate from high school, you really don't know, you, you really have no idea what you're going to do as a career, right? Um, so yeah, I'm kind of glad that they directed me into a certain pathway and at least they don't like, um, like hone me into just one particular pathway, you know, there's just like, oh, science, because they think that, oh, science um, can be useful in the future. Um, and so, yeah, they supported me uh, taking biology. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny, and I also had a great teacher in high school in math. I wasn't really good at math, but this teacher is scary. He was the oldest teacher in high school, in my high school, and everybody feared him. But the fear pushed me forward because I respected him uh -huh. and I wanted to impress him. And then it was not until I met him that I sort of fell in love with math. But um, it is constant theme for me that I have to have a good teacher to know a subject well. And I have to have an exam, I have to have an example who is good at what they do mm -hmm. for me to be more interested in that. Yeah. That, um, ex that is economics. Like one of my relatives is an economist. I was like, I wanted to be like him. So I guess when, you know, when when one is young, examples are needed and guidance are super helpful. Yeah, yeah. I think having a good teacher helps a lot um, for, to, for kids to like develop a certain um, liking into a certain subject, you know? Like if the teacher is like mean and they always make you feel like you're, you don't know anything, and they don't like challenge you intellectually, then like kids will lose interest, you know? So like having a good teacher that can like teach you stuff and like challenge you is like hard to find and um, is needed. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Um, when you, applied to, to college, were you undecided or you already know that biology is the subject that you wanted for you? How was the choice? How did um, I came in uh, knowing that I wanted to take biology because again, my thought process at the time was if I'm undecided, then like I will spend more time in school, like taking different classes, and then that will end up um, with me like being in school longer. You know, not that I hate school, it's just that like I just want to like pursue my undergraduate as, as efficient as possible, you know. So yeah, I just, I just picked, picked a major and then I just went with it. Um, it came with some struggles too. Like I had to take zoology 
and the teacher made me listen. The teacher made me memorize different sounds of birds. <laughs> no. And that was in the practical, like the final practical test. And like those are like one of the one of the examples of of like teachers who would encourage people to like not pursue a certain degree, you know. <laughs> were you in a strong pressure were you in a strong frame of mind when you did the exam or were you a little bit you know off when you did that feel like that needs to have a concentration I at one point like I or I just gave up studying for it because I can't tell the the different voices of birds like how can you even do that <laughs> so yeah I mean I I tried my best in like the theoretical test and then yeah at, for that subject I just gave up on the practical one. Okay molecular biology is it a combination mm -hmm. of chemistry and biology or what what is it because so molecular and cellular biology is a study of like the human plants or animals cells and cells are basically what makes up a life form. Like your skin contains um, millions and millions of cells. So um, my major studies, like I want to say abstract stuff that you can't really see with your naked eyes mm -hmm. because everything like you have to see in a microscope and it's very, very like molecular, which is like, super super tiny so like um part of what i learn is about like genetics um i learned a lot a lot about like plant genetics um cat cats um flies genetics and um how your body reacts to certain food like I learned how, um, that's more of the biochemistry side. Like I learned how sugars are being processed in your body. Um, and like the different cells that involves in breaking down that sugar. Mm -hmm. yeah. so like you, that. How long did it take for you to finish your undergraduate studies? I think about four years. So um, I went to a community college first. Um, for two years, which I think was a good idea uh, coming from like a high school in Indonesia. Uh, communi community college provides like a smaller classroom and a more um, individualized, like because it's a smaller classroom, then the teacher will have more attention to their students. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a good idea to go to a community college for two years. And then I transferred to uh, University of Washington in Seattle. Um, and yeah, the classroom size is bigger and you really need, once you get into like those big universities, like you really need to um, basically learn independently um, you can't rely on your teachers to come to you if you have any problems. It's you're the one who has to like come to them and uh, take like different classes or tutorials, like look for tutors. 
um, by yourself. So yeah, it's a good transition from community college to university. Right. Um, yeah. Did you have the same friends in community college um, up towards University of Washington? Um, yeah, because the community college was in Shoreline, which is in like the Washington area. So um, I have a, a lot of my friends from Shoreline uh, would transfer to um, the bigger Seattle area and like other universities other than University of Washington. And I also made new friends too um, over there. All right. Yeah. How was Seattle for you? I mean, I heard there's great seafood and great football. And what, what was it like? Um, I, I love it. I love it. Um, when I first came in, um, to Shoreline, I did not enjoy it because I was not used to the cold. I mean, coming from a tropical country and then you have to deal with winter and sometimes it would snow that like, that wasn't enjoyable. But after living there for, uh, about seven years, I, um, I, I learned to love it and they're very big on uh, outdoors activities. So I get to do like different outdoor activities. Um, yeah, after I graduated, uh, basically I get to try it and people there are really nice. Um, it's one of those cities where, um, random people would just smile at you. And when I moved back to in Indonesia, when I moved back to Jakarta, like I kind of missed that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and after you graduated, you said that you lived there for seven years. I mean, undergrad mm -hmm. was what, like around four? Four years. And then I worked for a little bit. Mm. And yeah. did you have an expectation to stay in the U.S.? Uh, after I graduated? Mm -hmm. um, originally, yes. Uh, basically, like, I didn't really have any, like, set plan. I just go with the flow. Um, after I graduated, um, I got a job, um, which was quite hard at the time. Um, so for international students, you were given, like, a three-month limit to stay in the country as an international student after you graduated, um, to be basically to be jobless in the United States for three months. And after you pass that three months, um, then you have to um, move back to your home country, basically. Mm. And yeah, I used up all those 90 days um, to get a job. So I was already ready to uh, move back at the time, I was already passed. Um, I was like hanging over at my friend's place. I already like let go of my apartment and everything. Uh, but then like three or five days before I had to fly back, um, I got this job. So um, I decided to stay and continue like the working visa, working permit that I have for um, about three years. Wow. And what job was it that got you, that you got? Tell me about I, um, 
my first job was in it's a protein crystallization company so okay when you graduated from like biology the common pathway for you after graduation is usually research like being in a research industry so um i was doing my job search uh, in research um but then i encountered this company where they do protein crystallization uh which is not research it's mostly like the production side of research so basically what i did was i supported um these different researchers um crystallizing their proteins <laughs> and why do they crystallize their proteins okay so um let's say if you want to make a drug like if you want to make some sort of medication um you need to know like you want that drug to bind to a certain protein in your body so let's say like cancer drug like you want that cancer drug to bind to a certain uh like cell inside your body so what this researchers do is like they want to know the structure of the protein or or the cell in order for them to make a drug that would bind to whatever they wanted to um target in your body does that make sense all right um <laughs> you can't just put like protein powder in the drug so that it is already connected to a protein when you digest them no you can you can't because like different different disease um have different proteins that they want to target so like protein there's like hundreds and millions of protein um so it's it's just think of it as like part of the cell part of the cell there's a protein um and that's what they essentially what researchers essentially want to target to make a, a particular drug mm. so um yeah i guess without me knowing like when i got that job i was uh, i was in the other end of the pharmaceutical industry basically like pharmaceutical industry produce drugs and this one is more like researching what the drug will be mm. for so that certain does disease. every drug have to go through the the process every every drug has to go through uh clinical research what about the crystallization protein crystallization so do you like do this for drugs third party drugs or you just do it for your own company's drugs um so what i did was i make chemical solutions based on orders so i don't work for a particular research or a particular disease it was more of like hey we need this chemical solution uh, can you make that so it's more of like production mm. kind of mm. yeah so which company yeah, is not where is that um it's called rigaku it's so it started out as a startup company um in washington 
But then my particular department was bought off by this Japanese company called Rigaku. Um, yeah. Was it acquired during uh, when you were there? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was it was acquired uh, when I was like, yeah, during my first year, I think. So yeah, those kind of things are interesting. Wow. What was that like? How, how was it interesting? Uh, acquisitions. Um, well, it's just basically like, it's a change of how, it's a change of payroll. It's a change of like the HR people. It's just a lot of like transition, right? So like um, if you're um, trained to do things a certain way, follow a certain procedure, and then you get acquired by another company, then that means what you were trained um, doesn't matter anymore. You have to start learning what this new company are doing. So like the transition process is um, it's kind of like a curve, right? Mm. Yeah. How long did you work at Rigaku? Um, about almost three years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then looking at the profile, You've worked at Novartis. You've worked at uh, Roche. Uh, Roche. Right? Roche. Roche. Uh huh. And these are the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. Did you have like a um, preconceived notions of who they are and what the media tells them before going in, or were you, on the other hand, actually? you know what, I want to work for them. Um, so, yeah, after I was done with um, the job with Regaku, um, I decided to move back to Indonesia uh, because I wanted, like, a change of scenery, basically. Um, I felt like the job wasn't going anywhere, and I felt like I wanted to, like, explore other things, so I just decided to move back. Um, I moved back without having any plans of what I want to do uh, career-wise. So I didn't like apply for a job or anything because I want to know like the job market, what uh, it's like back then. Um, and I, so I kind of like stumbled into these company because um, at the time, back in 2014, uh, the regulation for drug safety in Indonesia was recently implemented. Um, so they implement the regulation, like Badan Pom, uh, mm -hmm. it started to implement the regulation for drug safety in 2011. And so um, these pharmaceutical companies that didn't have drug safety department previously um, are starting to be expected to have a drug safety department. So it's back then it was basically a new department. Um, and so like they were looking for someone with a science background because like a lot of the cases that are being received, like you need to have a science background to understand um, what the cases are talking about. So, yeah, I mean, I got referred to um, this 
particular job. Um, and I ended up liking it <laughs> because at the time uh, when I moved back to Indo, like Indo isn't big on research. So honestly, like I wasn't sure what I was going to do with my degree um, in Indo because like there's not a lot of research going on in Indonesia. So yeah, I guess I got lucky um, getting into this job. Like it was the, the perfect timing. So you work at Novartis and Roche in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, when I want to go into the regulation side of drug and safety. Um, my question is, do the pharmaceutical companies need to do research in Indonesia and other local markets or do they only need to do the research in their headquarters? Um, there needs there need to be clinical trials uh, before a certain medication is approved in in a certain country, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in that particular country. So, <laughs> do you get it? So the short answer is no, like you don't need to have like a clinical research in Indonesia for the product to be um, sold in Indonesia. What they would ask um, from pharmaceutical companies when they registered certain drugs, they want um, clinical trial report from not necessarily Indonesia, but they want like like a, a report that this drug has been tested in a certain population of patients and that it's safe um, and it's effective. And they would um, analyze those reports that we compile and send to the, regu- um, to the health authority um, to decide whether if this drug can be marketed in this country or not. Mm. And what do you do uh, exactly in these companies? What I do? (laughs) Um, So drug safety. Okay. So I guess I have to start from like the big picture. So drug safety is like a part of the, a part of, it started out as a part of the government. So like, for example, in, Indonesia, it's called Badan POM. And like in the US, it's FDA, Food and Drug Administration. In Europe, it's EMA, uh, European Medicinal Agency. Um, Because the government want to regulate, not regulate, um, they want to monitor the safety of the drugs that are being marketed in their country, right? If they don't have this um, authority, this part of the government, then people can just be making jabu, and then they would just claim that, oh, this can make you live for a hundred years. And and there's no one to monitor or check the actual claim to that. Right. Right. So it started out as a branch and 
a govern the government and then so they would want to monitor the safety of the products that are go that are being marketed in their country and they rely on the pharmaceutical industries who are actually making these drugs to also monitor that for them you know so like it's it's basically a collaboration between the pharmaceutical industry and the um, government to monitor the safety of the products that are being given to patients mm. so you as the seller of the drugs also want to ensure the safety of these drugs mm -hmm. um, in tandem with the government who is trying to ensure the safety of the public through uh, regulation yeah you got it <laughs> oh, cool very cool and uh -huh. wow what were what do you think about the regulations in indonesia with your interaction with them I am um, the regulation in Indonesia. So they adopted, I feel like they adopted a lot of regulation from Europe. So actually like their timelines and the way they do things are pretty similar to Europe. It's just that their infrastructure is not, not well supported, well funded, um, I guess. So they like, um, the pharmacovigilance sector of the Badan Farm would still do things manually. Um, but I mean, they're, they're great uh, from my interaction with them. They really engage um, pharmaceutical industries. So me as like a drug safety representative, they would um, invite us into meetings and um, let us know in advance that they're going to implement a new regulation and they usually would ask for our inputs as well. Um, how is it going to work in your industry? And they not only engage like the multinational companies as well, but they also engage, of course, the local pharmaceutical companies as well. So uh, my interaction with them has been really great. I mean, they have a really open communication um, yeah, and they encourage collaboration a lot. Mm. Any problems that you face in your job line? Like with the, with Badan Pom or? With, in general. Like in general? During drug safety in society. Um, yeah, because I do, so I'm basically, I basically, monitor the internal side of the company. So my job doesn't involve going out to doctors, going out to patients. Like um, I don't go out and talk to them. So my department rely a lot on uh, other departments who are actually doing that. Like the salespeople who are actually, sales and marketing people who are actually uh, interacting with the doctors. And sometimes they would interact with patients too. So I rely a lot on like other departments for them to send this report to me. And um, yeah, I do a lot of outreach. I do a lot of trainings. Um, I also do I talk to uh, our vendors as well, like third party con contractors uh, to ensure that they know their responsibility in 
uh, reporting uh, the safety of the drugs to us. And so it, it involves a lot of moving factors and like human error happens, they forgot and like they don't report and they forgot, yeah, some, most of the time they forgot, stuff like that. So that part um, is challenging. Um, I just have to like reiterate several times that like, hey, like this is important. Um, this involves the safety of the patient because we want to know um, like if the patient that are taking our drugs are having this particular side effects. And let's say if we compile those reports and apparently like one million other people who are taking this drug also experience the side effects, then we would like those kind of things, we would like notify the health authority and then essentially um, we would update that in that um, product insert that you usually get when you buy certain medication, like that piece of paper that like most people throw away right. when they, yeah, when they buy certain medications. Um, essentially, like the reports that I compile uh, will be compiled into that. Oh, I see. So you chose that, you chose to interview me, so you chose to be confused yourself. <laughs> that's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but I'm a podcaster. I love to go into rabbit holes. Going to. <laughs> I I hope I'm making sense. Like, just ask me if I'm not making any sense because I want your audience to understand as well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, let's leave that to, to, to the audience, but I think that we're doing a great job. Okay. All right. You said the word pharmacovigilance. What does that mm -hmm. mean? Okay. Pharmacovigilance um, is a combination of Greek, Greek and Latin word. Um, pharmaco meaning drug and vigilance is like keeping watch. So basically like keeping watch of the drug basically like drug safety is pharmacovigilance it's interchangeable it's just like the fancy way of saying it <laughs> yeah it sounds so fancy but i don't want to make a guess of what it is but mm -hmm. it, it sort of combines two worlds in it yeah interesting yeah. interesting okay um and then uh, how long did you work for um, Novartis and, and, and Roche? Um, so total, I think since 2014 to 2019, so five years total with okay. those companies. 2019. Mm -hmm. And now I'm, I continue to work for a pharmaceutical industry in the same, uh, in drug safety as well. So, right, right, right. Yeah. But you um, moved to a different country. Um, mm -hmm. Why was that? Why? Yeah. Why did you um, go back to the States? Do you want me to mention about the machet? <laughs> the traffic? I want you to mention about everything. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, 
why did I move to the States is because I was given an opportunity to do this. Um, I was lucky enough um, that I met someone and um, we both decided that like living in the U.S. would be well, will be a little bit better for us because for me, it's the traffic. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say to that. <laughs> well, I love that. Can you share more? Like, how was it difficult for you both to decide? You know what? I want to go to the US, to the US, or uh-huh. did you both? already have um because you guys are not doing the same you're not in the same sector right you said that you're yeah recruiting yeah did you know did you guys already have a job or were you like you know what um we're gonna take a bet on ourselves and find out later yeah that that is kind of my pattern <laughs> i guess like i moved back to indo not knowing what i'm gonna do and then i just decided to uh, move to the u.s um without like applying for jobs because again, I want to know the job market and um, yeah, I, I want to know the job market. But it, it wasn't easy because I mean, I didn't grow up here um, and a, a lot of my friends are in Indonesia, right? Um, so, and it wasn't, it also wasn't easy to leave like a good job um, and basically just starting over from zero in another country. So that was, that was scary. Um, but I mean, there's no, like I, anywhere you live, there's always going to be like a plus and negative side to it. But I mean, I was, uh, we were fortunate enough to have an option um, to pursue another life in another, in another country. So um, we decided to, go for it did you yeah. guys already have a green card or, or yeah mm-hmm. oh you both yeah uh, my my husband did mm. and yeah my husband did and then i he basically sponsored me so you did not have to apply for a visa anymore um i do actually the do process was long because uh, basically my uh, because i'm getting I'm getting sponsored through marriage. Um, and so like I had to go through several like visa application. Like I have to go through a fiance visa application. And then once I get here, I have to get married in 90 days. Um, and then I have to like change my status into a green card. So that's like, that's a super long process. And I'm still an Indonesian. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you have done it, if you guys were late, would you guys still be able to do it? Maybe if, you know, 2020, would it be harder? Late now? Late for what? To do the immigration, to, to, to move to the U.S. Would it oh. be more difficult right now to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Again, it was like, it was very fortunate. It was very lucky. And then it was the perfect timing because, um, that we like decided to do it in 2019, in 2019, sorry. 
um, because right now, like all of the immigration offices are closed and a lot of these cases are getting delayed uh, from what I read. Mm. So yeah, it, it would have been longer and probably more stressful, like waiting to hear from them um, in this situation. You know, I find your risk loving attitude is something that I should do in my job. Taking a risk and believing in yourself, which you have done several times. And that's super uh, inspiring. Nick? Yeah, we're... Nick, sorry, I lost you. I lost yeah, like, my, the entire my, 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. My connection, I think it's my end. But I want to keep this... Mm. Okay, I think... Okay, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. I think we have to go through these blips like speed bumps in J Jakarta roads. You just have to go through it. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> no, I yeah. was, what were you saying? I was saying that I'm very inspired by your uh, ability to go all in, in your job, in your love life. I think it's super inspiring. And I'm in that stage where I want to do that, where I'm putting um, myself as the agent in charge of my life and going to um, a new uh, chapter in my life, which is a master's, and mm -hmm. seeing from there what what is out there for, for the world. And I'm not like closing um, any options and just going all in. I love that. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you just need to challenge yourself and like not afraid to take risks because like if you're afraid, then it's going to close a lot of doors for you. Right. And you have like, you're fortunate enough to have this, a lot of options and it's just a matter of like picking one and just go for it. And I mean, it does come with its own struggles and it's scary. Like, for me, like moving to another country, not leaving my job, it was, it was scary, but I mean, like you have nothing to lose. That's like, that's my, I guess like that was my mindset. Like, mm. um, yeah. <laughs> mm. Like the worst thing that could happen is that you fail, but then you'll get to start over. So yeah, mm -hmm. go for wow. it. Amazing. You know, you all you, you have this sort of energy that, that drives you, and I know that. Well, I have someone knocking. I don't know who who it is. I, have I to, need to turn. I need to turn on my light because okay. like it's getting dark. I feel like. Okay, we'll, we'll be back. I just I just need. I think. It's, all right. Serious. Okay. Okay. Don't okay. Go, right. okay. Hi, I'm here with someone. Send me some pictures. What's that? What are you having for lunch? Um, it's my asparagus and broccoli. Oh, is that like a grocery box? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, just boil them for the week. Yeah. Uh, meal plan. Meal prep, meal prep. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's like the way to do it. It saves a lot of time. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, um, you, you're super bubbly. You're super energetic, and no one's gonna argue that. Um, you know, you're not smart. You, you're very active in this program. Outside of, um, I guess, what you do on a daily basis, which I think is a little bit outside, but correct me if I'm wrong, is this Global Young Leaders Program, or what, what's the correct name of it? Uh, it? One Young World. One Young World, sorry. One Young World, yeah, yeah. Um, what is that? Are you still active with it? I am not not as much as I want to because I keep on moving cities um so like I need to like start making connections and like put my roots down and that will that takes a while uh, but basically that was something that I got into as well when I was working for Novartis it's an organization nonprofit organization mm. uh, called One Young World uh, where they invite uh, young individuals who are making basically making a difference in their community and so um, when I went to that conference um, they invited uh, like people like young people who are running for office in their country uh, trying to like change certain policies um, uh, yeah and they there's also they also engage um big corporations as well so they encourage like big corporations to send their uh, young workers who cares about like making a difference social responsibility um to go into that conference as well so i met like representative from coca-cola uh, bp oil pg and e unilever um yeah, and there's also they also invite like artists um, and just have them give them a platform to talk about like what they did um, to support or give back to the community um, that they live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did something similar um, with an organization in Indonesia called the France mm-hmm. Organization. What is it? The Franz Maceda organization. Okay. What is that? Basically, uh, they invite people from the Netherlands and Indonesia to talk about global issues and make um, the two cultures more um, close to each other, being aware of history and potential. Okay. Wow, that's really great. That's really great, especially about history, like the Dutch history in Indonesia because they colonized us for so long, right? And I think like people need to um, be familiar with those. Yeah, it's, it's tough because even the, the king apologized for the colony, colonial history um, this year when yeah. he visited. Yeah. So- Looking back at, at history can be very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. You can never go around talking about it in like a format which is, you know, structured and have good intentions and forward-looking. And Francis yeah. is actually a former uh, minister in Indonesia. 
Okay. He passed away, but he won. He's from. He is from the east. I think Timor. Oh wow! I think it's West Timor, uh-huh. and of the the regions to be inclu- included in the growth. Oh, wow! Yeah, that's really cool. So, um, you're no longer in One Young World, or was it more of an advanced thing? I am. Um, so once you're done with that conference, you become like part of a global network. Uh, where, based, well, ideally, like uh, these network will be able to support you in like your ideas and where you can collaborate with like all these people from different parts of the world. Um, no, uh, so how I got into that conference was because I was active at the time. I was active with this organization that was based in Bali called Baliwise. Um, that was started out. Um, so it has, it's two parts organization. One is Role Foundation and one is Baliwise. And Role Foundation um, works a lot on like clean ocean um, initiatives. So they would do like beach cleanup, they would do outreach. Um, and the Baliwise, program they um like would let women but women from like uh, all over not not just bali but all over indonesia to apply and be in like a vocational program uh training program so for like uh, women who can't afford like a college education they would apply to this um to this vocational training um, in order for them after they graduated, after six months, um, they'll be able to get like a good job. That's really cool. In, yeah, in the hospitality industry because, because if you're based in Bali, like that's what they're known for, hospitality industry. So um, they actually engage um, hotels like Alila um, to where like the, the students will go to Alila for like a practical training on hospitality. So like it's, it's a really great uh, organization that focuses on uh, women, empowering women, um, empowering Indonesian women. So at the time I was um, active with that organization, I helped um, like generate funds for them. Mm. Yeah. Wow, cool. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's still going on. Um, they have like I I get I got a chance to like visit their campus, um, and they also have like a, a a huge area where they have like amphitheater, where they have like composting, um, like recycling, and they do also do like um, scarves with natural natural dyes so they do a lot of outreach to like students and, and like tourists who would want to learn more about this organization and about like composting like clean ocean um stuff so yeah they, they, they're doing a lot of stuff 
it's great. You know, it's. I think you know the women of Indonesia um, should have access to these things, um, education and training, and I think it's a replacement, not a replacement, an alternative to the existing system, which I personally don't think is inclusive enough. Is Mm -hmm. uh, global global enough right there are people like you who can empower them with you know your experience and exposure and whatnot it's great it's great right yeah yeah i think yeah a lot of uh women in indonesia still needs to understand that like their role um, like they, they, there's so much more that they can do, right? Um, and that they have a say, and they don't, they have a say, and they have a voice, basically, you know. Because, um, I mean, to begin with, like, um, in a lot of um, households, like women are in charge of a lot of things, like other than cooking, they also do budgeting for food. And everything so like um they're they're actually like they're managing a family and they need resources to like do that and like that already gives them like a certain skill sets for them to like to work actually you know it's like budgeting budgeting for food is not easy <laughs> and like um like teaching kids, taking care of kids is not easy work as well. Yep. Yeah, certainly. I hope these era will continually produce technologies in their smartphones that could provide tools for that. I don't know, maybe accounting software or, uh, or, or I guess, um, Awareness of YouTube, I think, is important. I learned so much from YouTube. Like, if it was YouTube, I wouldn't uh, start a podcast. I wouldn't learn how to cook. <laughs> I didn't know how to cook. So, yeah, I guess we're in an interesting time. And yeah. Still, um, I'll go out there and yeah help mm-hmm. out. yeah yeah i mean having technology is power like it's it's a privilege and it gives you like power it gives you a tool right to like learn new things and so yeah and like technology shouldn't be exclusive mm-hmm. yeah but yeah, it's... it can be cheap, you know, to, to distribute, you know, I just hope, I just hope, like, you know, no one has, like, a control of information or, or, or tech, mm-hmm. so that the more people can, can get involved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it needs it needs collaboration. It needs collaboration uh, between like the private companies and the governments, 
to like to build basically like for technology you need infrastructure right you need like signals you need and yeah like it, it takes it takes uh collaboration between like the private industry and government much like yeah any other initiative in the world it's like you need those to combine yeah. like also the power of the people too yeah yeah you're right the infrastructure has to be more you know say the least yeah mm -hmm. yeah you know aside information in india one of the biggest investments that has been going into that country is a technology company that wants to give internet to everyone in, in india india like it's a huge country a billion people and but then not everyone has connection so what's interesting is the, the company that has received the most investments lately has been reliance Geo, which is this technology company and it's right. cool to see investors such as facebook going into that so hopefully yeah. technology infrastructure in indonesia will continue you know yeah yeah hey so what are you doing now where do you work now and are you keeping safe um, I'm working for another pharmaceutical industry. Um, I live in San Francisco now. Um, and yes, I try to stay safe. <laughs> um, I mean, I tried my best, like I wear my mask. Um, I guess what's different over here is that grocery stores are still open. Um, so I would go out to buy groceries um but yeah i mean so far so good like i i tried i mean i wash my hands after i come back and like i like do hand sanitizer and everything um so i i feel like as long as people maintain a safe distance um and like you don't exchange like bodily fluids with each other like that's like that's the best thing you can do uh. Like, yeah with with the riots going on like i'm not sure because um i went to one of the riots and people uh, not the riots sorry uh protests protests not riot um yeah like at the time like people weren't keeping like one meter apart like people are definitely not one meter apart <laughs> yeah um do you have any friends that are healthcare workers um yes i do uh, i think i have one that like i'm still in contact with um and he's he's doing fine he's he's okay um he gets i think like he gets to choose his schedule so he he, he doesn't come into work every day mm -hmm. yeah but the the do I'm sort of scared of getting infected, right? But mm -hmm. healthcare workers are like risking their lives in the front lines. Do they do anything different than us or no? As in to protect themselves? I think from what I read in the news, of course, like when they're doing their job, they would 
um, wear all of those like extra protections with like the face shield and like the whole like bodysuit and everything. And, and I think healthcare workers, they would um, isolate themselves, especially if they have to work with like people who actually have the coronavirus and they wouldn't come back to the house with the possibility to like infect their family, right? So um, from what I read in the news that they would have to like just isolate themselves, oh, yeah. you know, to keep everyone else safe, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. As for me, um, I would suggest to take your vitamin C every day because I, I mean, yeah, once when like kind of it's like like the flu like you the only way to fight the flu is like you rely a lot on your um, immune system right mm -hmm. so like what I'm doing is I'm making sure that my immune system is at top, top notch by like taking vitamin C and doing exercise I mean that's like the best thing that you can do right now know that yeah mm -hmm. So where do you work now? What company is it? Uh, another pharmaceutical company. Um, it's called Biomarin. Um, and what's different with this company is that they produce drugs for um, rare diseases. So like previously at Roche and Novartis, like it's very um, oncology. They produce a lot of oncology products, like cancer products, like breast cancer, lung cancer, um, what else, liver cancer. Um, with this company that I'm working with, it's rare diseases. So like the patient population are probably about only 100,000 in like the entire world population. So which it's like way, a, way smaller um, population and like the diseases that we're dealing with are like diseases that I've never even heard of before I worked in this job because I'm so used to like knowing about breast cancer where like the patient population is probably is much bigger than a hundred thousand right so yeah so it's uh, the industry that I'm in is we deal a lot with like rare diseases now so it's like, it's a little bit different, but what I do is pretty much the same. Mm. Drug safety, um, ensuring that the drugs that are um, marketed meet cert certain certain guidelines that mm -hmm. are good for people. Yeah, yeah. It's just different different drugs that I'm dealing with. Right. Yeah. Wow, okay. that's, that's super interesting. I know, yeah. I mean, that's like also the common misconception like with like the far people working in the pharmaceutical industry, they just think like, oh, like if you work in a pharmaceutical industry, then you must have the vaccine for coronavirus, you know, but then like different companies uh, produce different drugs, right? Mm. So like 
no, my company doesn't have vaccines for coronavirus. (laughs) 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 Unfortunately. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, different companies have uh, produced different drugs and they play in like different populations of patients. Right, right, right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think um, that wraps it up. I really had a great time learning from you about so many things that mm-hmm. I have to listen to this podcast again. So remember. <laughs> <laughs> I but hope I explain enough. I hope I explain enough. Like, um, yeah, yeah, like, I, I saw your face at one point, and you were like, what? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, my God, did I make myself clear enough? <laughs> no, it's kind of... Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully, it's, it's, it can be useful for people. Yeah, th- I mean, thanks for, thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me and thinking that my, what I do is interesting enough to be in a podcast. <laughs> your last podcast um people will be thrilled listening to you um you know as much as i did maybe even more and other ventures you know yeah yeah and yeah i was i was nervous about doing this but then yeah you made it seem so easy like has it been one hour already <laughs> yeah yeah I, wow i like it yeah, I didn't feel like it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Great. Hey, where can people find you in social media? I am social media. It's Instagram, Clartsy Fartsy. Don't, don't judge my, my Instagram handle. I am Facebook is Clarissa Budiarto. And if you want to know more about Baliwise, and Roll Foundation, like you can also um, go to their website. It's baliwise.org. And like you can also follow them on uh, Instagram. It's baliwise. Love it. Yeah. Hey guys, follow Clarissa and the things that you mentioned. It'll be cool for us and be cool for the world. Cool. All right. Thank All right. you. Well, you know what to do. We'll say bye. Bye. <laughs>